Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. There's a new way to bet on things outside of sports with Kalshi. Maybe you thought uh, on the future of TikTok. Will Congress ban it? Or won't they? Will Taylor Swift's album win album of the year? Will Biden's approval rating go up? Will it go down? Or inflation? You can trade futures on all of that and make money if you're correct. You're smart. You know things. Bet on it. $20 bonus if you go to Kalshi.com slash stereo. Spelled K-A-L-S-H-I and deposit $50. Kalshi.com slash stereo. Get in the game. There is no guarantee of performance. An investor could lose their entire investment. Investment fees. iHeartMedia does not recommend any investments. See further disclosures at Kalshi.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. I'm here with G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty. Yep. You are now rocking with the best. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Me and G. Moody will be breaking down the insignificance of James Harden's crossover heard around the world. We have some fantastic sick fucks of the week. We got some shout outs to the fans and so much more. Plus, we have Nate Robinson. Nate, the great NBA icon, three-time slam dunk champion, little dude with a big fucking heart on the I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, rocking with us, talking all kinds of basketball, talking all kinds of Seattle sports. And so much more with Nate Robinson. But first, me and G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty. We're the best in the business. Shit-talking extravaganza Mm -hmm. by two shit-talking extraordinaires. Miles Jordan, let me get something funky. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast with special guest Nate Robinson. Let's go. All right. Yes. Yes, this is it. This is it. This is the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Be excited. We're the big dicks. 
We're the big dicks of podcasting. The big swinging dicks of podcasting have have just entered the fucking building. All right, we're the, the big ju- swinging dicks of podcasting. Your mother warned you about. <laughs> the John Holmes of podcast. Yeah, we're coming in big dick swinging. <laughs> That's right. See, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Welcome. Come one, come all. Have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. You know who this is. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. The three-time podcast co-host of the year. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo. And you are now rocking with the best. And I got to just jump right into this, G. I'm hyped up. Let's go. I'm hyped up, and I'm going to tell you why I'm hyped up, because I love our fucking fans. I love our podcast. I love the diversity of the fans. I love the diversity of the podcast. We're really doing this shit. Like, I was thinking today, I was like, by the time you're hearing this, we may be number one, we may need number two on the charts. It doesn't matter. We're those dudes, we're the dudes that come into the building with the big greased up dicks. <laughs> yeah, I like that, yo. <laughs> All right? Right. We're we, those we. fucking guys. We're the guys that go 15 rounds with Sugar Ray Robinson and tell him at the end of the fight, you never got me down, Ray. <laughs> yeah, taking punches and still standing. Okay. We're not going anywhere. We're like KRS-One. BDP. Forever and ever. Get what we're saying. Forever. All right? We came into this podcast shit. It was just me and Moody and the fucking Dust Brothers. This was even before they were the Dust Brothers. Miles Davis. His name is Miles Davis, and he's Asian. I I still don't know the fucking proper mix. (laughs) <laughs> Jordan Winter, the Dust Brothers, me and G Moody, okay, who have been rocking off mic since 1982, okay? Yep. And now we're number one. Before a lot of these motherfuckers were born. That's great. Rocking. That's great. We're old. I'm going to be 48 on March 20th. But I just was thinking, I was like, the fans are fucking, they have to be smart. My, you know what my wife actually said? That she goes, you know, your fans have to be smart. Because the way that we talk our shit, like, this isn't, this isn't, we don't, we don't spoon feed it. Like, like, yo, this is just an audio medium. Podcast is just an audio medium. So the way people could sort of digest it, they go with us. We take stands on things. We talk right. our shit. Right. The fans have to be forward-thinking, smart motherfuckers. We have to have dope, smart fucking people that listen to the Iron Rap Poor Stereo podcast. Because I'm going to be quite honest, I'm dope and smart. Okay? Birds of a feather flock together. G. Moody's dope and smart. He's the three-time podcast co-host of the year. Look at the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah, man. Look it up. The fans know. We lockstep with the fans, man. They know what time it is. We all smart. (laughs) We're not playing games here. We are not playing games here. 
So, Moody, I went to take my dog Wheezy out for a shit. Did you clean it up? Well, that's not part of this story, but earlier today, I had a woman chase me down a block because the dog shat in a public park, uh, a public street, not in front of her lawn. She chased me down the block to have me pick up the shit. Um, I didn't see Good. him doing it. I've, I've done a lot better in my new neighborhood. I'm trying to ingratiate myself with the neighbors. But that's not what I was talking about. And by the way, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Shit bags are coming to a pet store soon, and we're going to sell them. Uh, we've been talking about this for years. We're coming out with I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast shit bags. The bags will just say simply shit bags because that's what they are. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we're going to sell those um, because, I mean, who better really represents all things having to do with shit and shit bags than the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. No, but Wheezy had a, got like a, a piece of his shit, and I don't like a lot of shit talk, um, stuck in his ass. I had to essentially wipe his ass. Um, oh. It confused him, it baffled him, and it did the same for me. That's not what I'm here to talk about, Moody. Let's just jump into this, okay? All right, let's go. We, we, we said earlier we have the... Nate the Great on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, former New York Nick, three-time slam dunk champion mm. from Seattle. Super athlete. Super athlete. Super athlete. Nate <laughs> Robinson is rocking with us later on in the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Great interview, great dude, funny dude, um, and I'm glad he came through. Yeah. So probably about... 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago, a couple of days ago, the crossover heard round the world. Yeah. Yeah. James Harden, whether you're a basketball fan or not, you probably saw this move. He he made a simple move, sort of pushed off. The guy who was guarding him, Wesley Johnson, got tangled up and fell. For some reason, it looked like everything sort of stopped for a minute. Like, no one moved when it happened. James Harden stepped back. Before he stepped back to shoot the three, he looked at Wesley Johnson, and it was just a weird play, and essentially he crossed over this guy, he fell, and the world has not been the same since. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's no big play. That's no big deal. Like, man, that was nothing compared to all the other plays that we've seen over the years. That was nothing. And the fact that it's been dissected and discussed so much since it's happened. And I, I fuck with James Harden. I love him. This isn't even about James Harden. This is just about how basketball coverage and sports coverage, we, we coined the phrase the skinny genification. Who gives a yes. fuck that he crossed him over and he fell? Big fucking deal. Ooh, ah. And then move on with your fucking life. Yeah. It's one play of a game. You don't get extra points for any of it. And I really think that this becoming national sports news, when there's so many other things to talk about, talk about fucking Andre Drummond being a, a damn beast up there in Detroit. I mean, there's forget even Andre Drummond because he's an all-star. The fact that they're putting so much emphasis on a guy getting crossed over and falling, an NBA guy, is embarrassing to the NBA. If you're playing any level of competitive basketball, you're going to get crossed over. You're going to get dunked on. If you're playing football, I don't care if you're Odell Beckham, Le'Veon Bell, 
Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get fucking cracked every now and then. Yeah, that's part of the deal. Like, shaming a guy for two days straight because he fell when a guy made a move. Like, what is the precedent that this sets for kids? Like, kids already don't want to play defense. Like, yeah. no one's going to ever want to play defense in any level of basketball ever again out of fear of being shamed and ridiculed for the rest of your fucking life. I just think it's such a big deal over nothing. It's, yeah, it's a new level of shaming, ankle shaming now. They got fat shaming, slut shaming, <laughs> ankle shaming. Boom. Yo, this is basketball, and if you're playing basketball, you're playing any type of defense, you may get crossed over. That's all right. That's part of the game, man. That's all right. I saw it on The Jump. I saw it on, uh, uh, what's that, Nick Wright, those, those shows, Fox. All oh, they just kept running it on a loop. Yo, so what? So what? Let's see if this motherfucker can get out of the fucking second round. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it's like, you know, even in the park, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Like, Word. yo, it happens. You might not be able to cross the guy and make a fall. You get the ball, you go back at him. That's how That's we right. grew up playing ball. Crazy, man. Make Stop this shit presses. into it. This big-ass deal. Big, crazy, big deal. Uh, I'm saying I, I want to see how he does in the fucking playoffs. He got Chris Paul now. Let's see. That's, that's more important. Not exactly. Him, not him shaking a guy. He's supposed to do that. He's nice like that. Let's see if he and his guy could get to the fucking Western Conference Finals. Can you beat Golden State? Because if you can't beat them, that's all you're going to have is that fucking one play. <laughs> and Chris Paul doesn't want to get in it because we all know what Steph Curry did to him a few years ago. And that was, and, the yeah. internet wasn't even as crazy as it is now. They should play that again. How uh, he dribbled his ass into the court, <laughs> into the floor. That was worthy. That, that's worthy of, of praise. All this ankle shaming. Great yeah. phrase just coined by the, the great G. Moody, which is why I come in hot talking shit. And on the last I Am Rapport Stereo podcast with Young M.A., and, and I wanted to compliment us on the Young M.A. podcast because I was thinking about this. I was listening to it, and I rarely listen to myself. The sound of mm -hmm. my own voice, um, mm -hmm. um, it distresses me. Um, with all this, all these positive things happen with the women's movement and Me Too and the mm -hmm. women's march, mm -hmm. I was thinking about what, besides her, her rapping that I really like about Young M.A., the last I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, and the thing that I really love about her and why I think she's so special is because she's not preaching like the way she is, her sexuality, how she comes mm -hmm. up. She's just out here being and leading by example. And, you know, she told her story. She talked about it on the podcast. You could listen to it. But coming up in the hood in Brooklyn, the way she came up and like to be so comfortable and articulate with who you are as a young, mm -hmm. a young woman I fucking love that girl. I think she's so fucking dope, and I'm so proud that of that I Am Rapport Stereo podcast. She's fucking dope. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when a person is, uh, is okay with who they are, it comes out. Like, you know, it's a confidence, and uh, she's, she's um, at peace at, with who she is, and you got to love that. You got you to gotta respect that. Yeah. Like, she's not hiding. It's like, yo, this is who I am, and people accept that. That's what it's about. And, and, you know, some people were like, why'd you call her an icon? I'm like, yo, she's, all, she's an icon. Well, what she's going to continue to do musically 
is going to be the second thing they mention in her as an icon in 2018. Because with all these people, uh, uh, you know, dealing with their sexuality and dealing with who they are and dealing, you know, coming to terms with this and coming to terms with that, for somebody to be so open and just so comfortable with it, it already it automatically makes her an icon. She's right. not one of these people that's hobnobbing around with Oprah and gets invited to all these fancy Hollywood Me Too movements and <laughs> all these fam- fancy Hollywood, you know, women's marches. But she's such an example to young women, young girls, right. uh, uh, just by being who she is. And that's why I really fuck with young M.A. Like, aside the fact that I just love the way she rhymes. So I'm proud of that episode. BK. So I was talking about how great we are as a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I was talking about the, us being the big swinging dick of podcasting. And, and the other day uh, on the Young M.A. episode, I was talking about uh, LeBron James tooting his own horn. He yeah. had his 30,000 points, his 8,000 rebounds, his 8,000 assists. He's the only player to ever do that. And the entire sports world was talking about that, as they should. But so was LeBron James. Yeah. Hey, that's a that's a feat, man. That's yo, that's that's him alone. There's no, it's not magic with him. It's not Jordan. That's him in that category alone. This is a feat. This guy didn't go to fucking college. Who taught him how to play the game like this? This is a uh like the coach, his coach, his high school coach did a did a fantastic job, man, on this dude, man. Cause it ain't no coaching. It's not like he went to Coach K or all that. This is high school. Yeah. And look, and look, he's in the league, dominating the league since he came in, and he's all alone in that category. And he's going to pass Magic. He's going to pass Kareem. Kareem will be passed incidentally. This guy is one of a kind, and I appreciate what I'm seeing. All that sucker shit y'all saying about this and that, that shit don't matter. Oh, yeah, like no, that basketball, matters. That matters. If you like, if you like basketball, and you like a guy who's a jack of all trades, who can do everything, yo, you got to give this man the utmost props, yo, the utmost. Totally agree with you, but but that other stuff that you threw in there, that little that little hot sauce, the little sprinkles, and the hot fudge, <laughs> that, that matters. But let, let, let's not go down that go rabbit hole. All right, um, go ahead. Oh, but the point that I was making is that somebody was saying, "Well, you always talk shit about how you're the best. Why can't LeBron do it?" And my response is. Cause, cause he's fucking LeBron James, okay? <laughs> he's fucking LeBron James. Where the fucking Jake Lamotta of podcasting? Okay, it's a different thing. But, but I get what you're saying. It was somebody, somebody said that to me. By the way, I'm out of Twitter jail. Oh yeah, I so saw they they put you on work release. You fucks, you tried to fucking shut me down on Twitter jail. You couldn't do it, could you, fuckos? I do seven days in Twitter jail on my fucking head. That's nothing to me. That's fucking nothing to me. I come back out. I got a nice suit waiting for me. I go get myself a nice meal and I'm back. You tried to fucking break me. I do seven days in the can for Twitter. It's fucking nothing. It's like a vacation. It's like going to Thailand. (laughs) You'll be back in fucking jail. Recidivism. That's what you... Twitter recidivism. You're coming back. here's, Here's my new thing with Twitter. Fuck Twitter. I don't respond back to... I'm blocking motherfuckers. Because yeah. I'm just blocking them. And if you get satisfied by me blocking you on Twitter, then your life sucks. Because some people are proud of it. be like, oh, so-and-so blocked me. If, if that gives you grace, if that helps you sleep at night, 
I'm gonna block you, unblock you, and then block you again, you fucking low-life, miserable cocksucker. If that's an achievement, getting blocked on Twitter, you are failing. You are failing your parents, your teachers, every single person that came in contact with you. If you're bragging about getting blocked on Twitter, you fucking miserable cocksucker. Come to me. I'm the Mark Eaton of blocking people on Twitter. I'm the Dikembe Mutombo of blocking people. Come to me. If I even smell anything that I don't like about your tweets, I'm blocking you, you fucking. Yeah, yeah. Yo, on our way to the top, you can't stop to fuck with every barking dog. We won't get to where we got to go. Fuck these guys. Block them. Don't get back in jail. Write no sucker shit to these guys. Because Twitter has you under the microscope. Yes. And they know, they know who you are, man. Yes. And just so you we're clear, I got banned on Twitter. Suspended on Twitter for my for my Laura Ingram Fox News rant, and I'm fucking proud of it. I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I'm out in the streets talking shit. I'm proud of I'm out in the streets talking flawed shit. I'm proud I'm out in the streets taking a fucking stand. And you should too. Do it safely and do it comfortably and do it with your big fucking swinging dick, just like I do on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. <laughs> um. I want to make an official announcement, G. Oh, okay. This goes out to Dave Portnoy. Oh, shit. El Presidente. I thought it through. I saw your little newsletter you wrote. You're lying. Making up shit. This motherfucker said on his newsletter, his barstool newsletter, that... What he said? He took me to the Mayweather-McGregor fight because I couldn't afford tickets of my own. <laughs> Come on, man. So, oh, now. All that's good. We're done with all the back and forth. Yeah. I'm not even giving him the Willie Hutch. This will be the last word you hear from me, possibly. I could change. Specifically about the guy over at Barstool who bleaches his ass. He calls himself El Presidente. I think you're a fucking punk. I think you're a hoe. And I truly believe you bleach your asshole. I challenge you to the Rough and Rowdy 3 headline match. You and me, we could do it in West Virginia. We could do it in Boston, where you're not from. Or we could do it in the suburbs of Boston, where you are from, an hour outside of Boston. We could do it in the Barstool offices. We could do it anywhere you want, as long as it's on pay-per-view. Fuck all the talking. Mm-hmm. Fuck all the back and forth. Fuck all the Willie Hutch. You don't deserve that good Willie Hutch. Mm-hmm. You're not getting that soul. That's right. Bring all the stoolies. Bring anybody you want. This is just you and me. Go head up. This- Rough and rowdy. Winner takes the entire pay-per-view purse. Word. You can fuck with steroids if you want. You could not fuck with steroids. I challenge you to fight me. I've never been in a boxing match in my life. Rough and rowdy. Three rounds, and I also am offering my father, who's 84, he agreed to do it, to fight your father in a slap boxing match. <laughs> my father's going to smack fire out your father's asshole on the preliminary. This is not a joke. This is not a stunt. Challenge you to Rough and Rowdy 3, the headliner. Winner takes all the pay-per-view. If you want to negotiate the details, let me know. But... We all know what Saturday's for, right? Saturday? What is it for? Saturday is for 
stepping up and seeing if you got some motherfucking balls and accepting this challenge, you mark-ass punk. If New York is a small place, it's a very small place. I'm from there, got a lot of friends there, got a lot of fans there. New York is a very tiny place. I'm challenging you to rough and rowdy. You name the place, you name the time, you can name all the all the little details of it. I just want that money. Stop exploiting your workers for chump change. Stop exploiting the people of West Virginia for chump change. You step in the ring. Let's shoot joints. Let's throw down. Let's get it popping. What the fuck is Gucci? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. Shit. Throw out the challenge. Official challenge. That's good. I like that. No more, no more writing uh, uh, blogs and all that. Let's just go head up in the ring. Fuck all the bullshit. Me and you head up in the ring. That's a great challenge. I like That's that. That's it. I'm 48 years old with ulcerative colitis and a bronchial situation. Let's get it popped. Yeah, I'll try. Because I know me. I wouldn't be talking shit to somebody who I couldn't beat their ass. That's what I'm saying. I, I would not talk shit like I know better because I know I'm not a tough guy. But you talking shit like you feel comfortable well, let's get it popping. Mm, that's it. You ain't got to say no more. That's it. Miles, let me get something funky. I'll come right back to this me and G Moody. All right. We're back. You hear that funk? Mm-hmm. Moody, what do you think about this? Jalen Rose, who I love, who I know I respect the shit out of him. Good dude, smart, great at his job. Yep. Button pusher. Loves hip-hop. Fuck with Jalen. Hell yeah. He's trying to initiate a boycott. He's trying to initiate the, the players who are playing in the NCAA tournament to boycott the tournament, not play. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think they should do it at the Final Four. Like, yo, you think about this. The players have the leverage. They have all the leverage. They just don't realize it. If they say, yo, we're not going, we're not coming out of the fucking locker room. You go play. Since you're making $5 million a year, you fucking play. You and the other coach run up and down. We're going to stay here and let's see what happens. Guarantee you the point of this is to immediately uh, or make change. It won't drag on. Like the players at the Final Four say, yo, we're not coming out of the locker room. What are you going to do? Drag them out there? That that will force change. And this is why Jalen Rose and uh, Jay Williams are proposing that. And I hope the players do that. Fuck that shit, man. These guys making, you know how much uh, uh, they paid for the rights to broadcast that shit? Like $8 billion, man. And, th- right. and those guys don't get a cent. And then if they take money... Uh, it's some type of problem. Yo, this is a crime. That's a crime. Fuck that. No, I hear you. I hear you. I just think that I don't think it's realistic that it's going to happen. And and I think it's easier said than done. Of course. But what are they going to lose? What would the players lose? You're not getting no money. It's not like motherfuckers going to say, oh, now but, you're, but, you're not, no, not going to uh, now you're not going to play. Yo, well, the players that are going to go into the NBA and possibly play overseas, they're not going to lose anything. But as we all know, the majority of these guys know their fate in basketball. I understand. So that. they they lose 
uh, you know, all the hard work and shit. They didn't come, some of the majority of them didn't come there to make money. The, the majority of them like, yo, this is going to be the last time I'm playing ball. I love the ride. I had no problem with it. I'm not, I totally agree that this, this whole thing is fucked up. But like, it's like, Jay, it's easy for Jalen to say that as a grown man. But when he was in it, there's no way he would have never not came out to play UNLV, not came out to play Duke during those big games. Right. They would have been like, yeah, we're going out there and busting these dudes' ass. Especially that fucking, that Fab Five team. Like, they were going out there to play ball no matter what because they, they loved it. Now, when you get older and you get perspective like Jalen has now, it's different. But but for him to say, yo, give up on that dream, give up on that feeling of busting these dudes' ass that we, we practiced for, that we played AAU for, that we did all the hard work for, I, I just think it's a lot to ask yeah, of, a, a, of a kid. And, and these are really, they're children. But they're saying also, this is for the greater good of the people coming behind you. Like, this cannot continue. But I get that. But it's like, why you didn't do it then? Like, you you telling me to do it now I'm 19. What if J- Jason Williams is smart. Jalen's smart. Right. You knew this was going on then. I don't know. I mean, no one, I don't know. No one was really saying it like that back when they was coming up. It was just, you know, March Madness. Now people are really seeing because uh, the, the money is rising and, and then the kids get nothing, man. And it's like they sell their jerseys. Their faces are on uh, on these video games, and they don't get a cent. And the coach is making six mil. And, 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 and you know, these kids are from uh, disadvantaged backgrounds, and they can't get money. And they're the draw, and they don't, yo, yo. No, I get you. They, I hear you. They hear should you. fucking do it. Like, take, like, do some Kurt Flood shit. Have some balls <laughs> and say, yo, we not going out. Fuck it. You play. Calipari, you fucking play. Uh, what else is going on, Moody? Did, did this happened again. What up? I, I hate to say it. There was a woman um, in South Africa, game reserve, you know, where the, the, <laughs> uh, the a woman, uh, she was actually called the Lion Whisperer, uh, out there fucking around with these lions. And, and these tigers, uh-huh. and and the tiger jumped them. Good. And that was the end of that. Oh, he ripped them to shreds. Yeah, fucked them all up, man. They should put his head on the tree in the Serengeti. As uh, oh, we got one of the humans that been executing all of our friends. Yeah, I I, I get it. You, you're out there with lions and shit. That's what happens. They're fucking like you know like the, this isn't like just like oh I see it on National right. Geographic. These are fucking animals. Right. They say you could hear a lion's roar for two miles. So you going out there fucking with something like that, who isn't bothering you? You flying thousands of miles to go kill an animal. You should, that animal should rip you from limb to limb. (laughs) I want to commend Walmart, Dick Sporting Goods for uh, standing on their own two feet. And taking the step forward to, to improve these gun laws. Yes. It's got to stop. There's no reason why people under 21 should be able to buy guns so so easily. There's no reason to sell these, these vicious war machines. Yeah. Yeah. Assault rifles. Assault rifles, man. And you can buy it at Walmart. And, yo, all that shit needs to just be uh, eliminated. I mean, really. Yo, because... Cause these, these, there's a lot of crazy kids out here, man. They shooting up schools and everything. The teachers got gats now. 
Yo, it's it's, it's and, and these people are really serious about these guns. There was a couple in Pennsylvania. They had a ceremony. They're wearing crowns. These are obviously fucking nut jobs. They're all wearing crowns and they're all fucking nuts at some sort of uh, uh, commitment thing. Oh, you know, one of these radical churches, a world peace unification sanctuary for a religious. Get the fuck out of here. And they they were clutching these these assault rifles. But why? You know, like we're never going to give them up because they think they're in the, the fucking colonial times. Right. You know, Ben Franklin wrote this shit. We're never going to change it. Listen, the fucking iPhone gets changed every year. <laughs> they change cars every year. Nike comes out with new sneakers every couple of goddamn weeks. Just because Ben Franklin wrote that fucking document doesn't mean it's perfect. Right. I don't even know if that cocksucker wrote it. Did Ben Franklin write the fucking Ten Commandments? I mean, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the what? I Constitution? I, I think he was part of it. I don't know what the fuck. These guys hold on to that old bullshit. Yo, they're not going to take your guns, okay? But you just can't buy the fucking assault. Keep your fucking gun, you fucking lunatic. Yeah. Go shoot some fucking, go go hunting. Do what you want to do. You can't. We want to outlaw the assault AR-15 shit that uh, is in Baghdad that they're using in fucking Baghdad. You shouldn't be able to use it in fucking, in the schools. You shouldn't be able to, to buy that shit, man. I mean, if you, I don't know anything about hunting, but I imagine if you're a hunter, you don't want to, you know, you're not going to take an assault rifle. There's got to be some sport, like some, some trying to do it. Not like I'm going to mow down a fucking, like a whole field of animals. <laughs> oh, man. Um, again, this came up. Last time we talked about it was DeMar DeRozan. Right. Um, he's speaking out about depression. And now Kevin Durant also spoke out about encouraging the NBA to, to, to start taking mental health uh, awareness and mental health situations amongst the players more seriously, which brings us back again to Royce White, who is the former number one first-round draft pick of the Houston Rockets, and he wouldn't shut up about mental illness, and no one listened. He had a lot to say about mental illness. No one listened, and you know he was sort of blackballed out of the league. And this is just about five or six years ago. And it's sad that this kid's, you know, life and future got derailed by speaking out out about something that he was suffering from. And he's sort of like the sacrificial lamb. And it's great that KD and DeMar DeRozan and the NBA Players Association are speaking on it. But Royce White and everything he had to say, and Royce White as a person, he needs to be heard and looked at now because he was the one that set this off and he was the fall guy. Talk about standing up for something and taking the fall. He took the fucking fall. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard him on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, you could hear his whole story and I'm not trying to plug it. I'm just proud that we talked to him because he kept it real. And it's a struggle and, and something that he still deals with. And uh, the ramifications of him speaking up when he got drafted got him kicked out of the NBA. Mm. So shout out to Royce White. And you could check out that pod. And shout out to DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Durant, two stars of the NBA that are taking the stigma off uh, uh, mental health in professional basketball. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing, man. That takes a lot of courage to come out and say that. You know, like uh, speak about depression. That's that's a good thing. Kudos, man. Salute to those brothers, man. All right. Let's do this, man. I am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Sick fuck of the week. It's the award-winning segment. Let's go, Miles. This award is earned, not given. It's called the sick fuck of the week. 
This guy's really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. You fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the dog? Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did what? No. 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 That good sick fuck of the week music. Hell yeah. Of course, this is an award that is earned, not given. It is an award that is earned, not given. Uh, a naked man mm. riding an ATV down the highway in Missouri was finally captured butt-ass naked on an ATV. <laughs> Why and how he got naked? And, and, and like, I've, I've talked about this before. I don't want to be naked outside. Too many things could go wrong. Like, you could wind up being on the sick fuck of the week segment. <laughs> this is true. This cocksucker was riding around on an ATV in Missouri on the freeway. No clothes, no shoes, no nothing. Drunk. Out of his fucking tree. You, my friend, that kind of behavior is quintessential. Grade A, sick fuck of the week behavior. Congratulations, mi amigo. Oh, man. Oh, I got I to one-up you. Usually, my sick fucks I don't really have. I just listened to yours, but I got one today. Uh, on a Russian flight, Siberian Airlines, a crazed passenger was, <laughs> was walking up and down the aisles snuffing passengers, tried to sexually assault one of the female passengers, um, and just p- punching people in the face. And during the flight, it wasn't, Jesus. he was up and down, and then some real bouty-bouty passengers wrestled him to the ground, and, uh, and, and they started punching him. But he was doing that for at least an hour, up and down the aisles. He was so, he was bugged out, people were scared, so... He's an unnamed Russian guy, so he's the sick fuck of the week because he was he called the little girl a little slut. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, you're definitely the sick fuck of the week in Russia. If I could translate sick fuck of the week in Russian, I would do it. You fuck you. Here's another sick fuck of the week. Although I kind of like this guy, a passenger who tried to fly to Cincinnati from North Carolina was asked to leave the flight because he was probably on that I don't know those gray skies that Jerome. That bath salt, that ooh-wee, yeah. that Lester Hayes. I don't know what he was on. They took this fucker off the plane. Somehow he, he boarded the plane. He wound up on the tarmac. He stripped down. Mm. I like this fucking guy. Had his jeans on, took his clothes off, tried to take his belt off and whip the guy with his belt. He was fighting all the guys on the tarmac. He wasn't going down without a fight. Yeah. Now, I don't know what happened on the, on the plane, uh, but this guy, he was bout it, bout it. Yeah. I re- um, <laughs> go ahead. I read about that. He was fighting them with the, you know how they have that wand that they wave the planes in? <laughs> he snatched that shit from money and started fighting with them. <laughs> this my guy might not be a sick fuck of the week. We might need to get this guy on the podcast. Yeah. Why? Yeah. They said they threw him off the plane and then he got pissed off and then he started chasing them dudes that waved the planes in. Maybe they said some shit to sucker shit to him when he was getting off. They was mocking him. <laughs> um, this sick fuck of the week. Uh, a father and son were in Cape Cod, up there in uh, Massachusetts, wherever the fuck it is. 
The father, and they were eating at family dinner. The father was telling his son to get off his phone. <laughs> Stop texting at the table. Stop talking at the table. Yeah. The son punched the father in the head, knocked him out, knocked him on, knocked his father oh. unconscious while they were having family dinner. Man, when I wake up, if I, if I man, when I wake up, it's going to be some shit. You're going to wish you never touched me. <laughs> Can you imagine if your son knocked you out, how, how, how hard that would be to process that on so many levels? Uh, I, yo, I can't, I, I don't have words for that, but I know I would deal with him when I regain consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> You'd beat your son's ass? Hell yeah, I'll put him out. We're going to tit for tat, motherfucker. Um, this is a sick fuck that somehow got out of jail by a no good judge. It's sort of a double winner. Mm. A guy named Michael McFadden was sentenced to over 300 years in prison this is no laughing matter for molesting children. Mm. He was just released and his conviction overturned on a technicality. This is a true story in Colorado. This sick fuck was sentenced to more than 300 years. Mm. And he cannot be retried on these charges. The criminal justice system fucked up. There was some sort of screw up. Jesus a paper and was now he's out. now he's free for the rest of his life. A, a, a child molester. How could this be justice for anybody? Right. How could you get away with this? Right. That should be not considered. Fuck the technicality. Let's weigh what he did versus the technicality and throw out the technicality and throw this guy in prison. Do what's right. I, I don't like these judges that, oh, we're going to follow the law like this. Yo, do what's right. Fuck the technicality. This guy is a fucking barbarian. He, Animal. He deserve, You think he deserves freedom? Who cares about the technicality? Throw him in fucking jail for the rest of his life. And the, par the parents of the victims had to sit there while this guy's walking free. Oh. Oh, he wouldn't be, you wouldn't be free for long. Shit, we'd be waiting for his no. ass out, out after the court, outside the courthouse. He let you out, but you got to deal with me. You fuck you. The word. <laughs> well, that's it for the sick fucks of the week. Um, before we get to Nate, the great Nate Robinson, I wanted to run this by you, Ger uh, Gerald. Let's do it. Uh, Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. Yeah. The Patriot way. The Patriot way. Strikes again. So Robert <laughs> Kraft has a 20... How old is this chick? This chick is like 20... No, 38. Uh, oh, she's 38, huh? Yeah. She's pretty. His, his girlfriend's pretty. But could you imagine having to roll around with this 76-year-old piece of shit? Yeah, man. Damn, that's, that's, that's nasty, man. That's a sacrifice, man. I mean, listen, I know if I'm 76 and I have a 38-year-old girlfriend, I'm just telling her every day, I know this isn't how you planned uh, your life. I know yeah. when you were young, I wasn't the piece of shit. That you imagined you'd have to lay around with. I'm, I apologize. Right. And I appreciate you for even... I know my breath stinks. You know when you're 76, your mouth, and you, you just smell, you have yeah. weird smells coming out of you. Like, my father, I love him. He's 84. Like, he stinks. I'm like, well, I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> this piece of shit, Robert Kraft. Like, can you imagine waking up next to this old bag yeah, of shit? Yeah, man. Yeah, body making sounds and shit. You've been, oh. you've been, you've been around a long time. 
And but he he got billions, seventy six with a thirty eight. I, I, yo, you on Viagra cocktails all day. I know what it is. Yeah. Right? Stay skeeting. Stay skeeting. Yeah. Uh, finally, I want to give a, a shout out to uh, the university. The university at uh, Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Congratulations. They rescinded Dick Stain Donald Trump's honorary degree. Good. Oh, this is what you well. need to do. <laughs> Everybody... Has made mistakes. You made a mistake by giving him one in the first place. You did the right fucking thing, like Spike Lee and Sal's famous pizzeria, by rescinding it now. Congratulations, Lehigh University. Listen, with no further ado, New York Nick, former New York Nick, played for a bunch of different teams. Nate Robinson is with me on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. We're talking about Duncan. We're talking about the big three. We're talking about the fight. Mm-hmm. That he had, that he was in the middle of when he was a Nick playing against J.R. Smith mm-hmm. and Carmelo Anthony, where Carmelo Anthony sucker punched the dude in the garden. Yeah. We're talking all kind of hoops. We're talking all kinds of football. We're talking Seattle basketball and so much more. Nate. The great Nate Robinson is up next on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Let's go. All right. Test, test. Let me get a test, Nate. Test, test, test. Test, test, test. One, two, one, two. In the place to be. Y'all know what it is. Nate Robinson. What's good? Is in the house. Such a fan. Man, you're a fan. I'm a fan, bro. Come on, man. I'm the Movies. I'm, I'm, you I'm keep a, it so real, bro. It's, I'm you're a fan, hilarious, man. Dog. I, I was thinking, like, I was like, oh, shit, Nate's coming over to the crib. And I was telling my wife, I was like, she, she, I, I, I know who he is. And I was like, Nate Robinson, I was trying to explain to her, and I was like, Nate Robinson has to be fucking crazy. And the reason why I say this is because <laughs> if you're 5'9 to play in the NBA, right. you don't look at the world the same way the world looks at things, let alone looks at you. Like your whole life. Like I always look at like you, Muggsy being the most extreme spud. Like the little guys, like you're not looking at the world the way the Everybody world looks right. at you. I mean, for me, it was just. Uh, uh, I mean, I just, I just love. I would say just the competition, man. Like to be a little guy, knowing that if I was anywhere between six feet, six eight, six nine, seven feet, I know the person and the the game and who I am inside, the the fire that I play with, I'll be one of the best players to ever play the game. They they would label me that, but now being at five nine, they try to make oh he can't play defense, oh he can't do this, oh he can't do that. When I have done everything, anybody has you know. Six feet, six six have done. I averaged almost twelve points a game over a eleven and a half year career in the NBA, and yet not one coach let me be me. So just think if a coach let me play, let me be myself, what I could have done. Why, why do you think they didn't let you be you? Because it it would always like seem like eventually, you know. And, and your career is so long, so I can't say always, but a lot of times it could be like Nate Robinson's in the doghouse. Uh, you know, like even with the Knicks, like right. they're not letting Nate play. And I remember you working out before the games, like, you know, like running around the garden. I'm like, what was it? Like, I always think like Nate Robinson, I've said this many times. I talked to Muggsy Bogues. I was like, I know Muggsy Bogues, the toughest motherfucker on the court. Nate Robinson's the toughest motherfucker on the court. Right. You have to be. You have to be to be to be five nine. You got to be a tough motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, I learned that from my mom. My mom's like probably one of the toughest, you know. 
uh, persons in the world, man. She's a little five foot one, you know, dynamite. You know, shout out to my mom, you know, Renee Hollinsworth, I'm gonna call her. But uh, she, she has, she paved the way for me. You know, I've never, uh, she never had to tell me to to work hard. She's always showed me. She always showed me how to be the toughest, the baddest. Uh, you know, person in the room, you know, no matter what. And I take my hat off to my mom for that, you know, for installing that inside me. Do you think that that had anything to do with when you say, you know, you never felt like a coach fully let you do you and be you? Um, what would be your part in that? And then break down like the coaches, like, you know, like. So my you know part, I mean? like, so my at- part in that as in me, like, let, like letting me be me, like letting me play the game the way I love to play the game. Like I'm going to play it the right way. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But all the other things that they want to add into into it. Oh yeah, he plays too much on going on a plane, or he plays too much in the locker room, or he's this and this. They, he's never serious. No, it's not that I'm serious. I'm not never serious. I'm just enjoying my energy, my the world that I'm in. I'm not mad every time we lose one game, and you're sitting there in your pity. Like they used to really take that serious, and I'm like, I understand that, but we have another game tomorrow. So how right. so how do we get past? Dealing with loss or whatever, like all right, cool. Let's let's figure it out and then let's move forward. Like I literally just enjoy my time, no matter how they were looking at it. I enjoy my whole experience, NBA wins, <laughs> losses, everything, and I approach the game just like that every day. Every day I'm out there busting my ass, working hard, you know, on time. Everything I do, coming in, getting shots up, staying late. You know, what I'm saying, going to another gym that they don't see me doing, working on my game, right. watching film. You know what I'm saying? Being a student of the game, they can't say I did not do any of those things because I did. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they just, what they did, they were like, man, we can't keep doing this to him, like holding him back. And then every time we put him in, he's always done He's always done well. The fans love him. Like, how can we do that by exiling him? You know what I'm saying? They just totally like, all right, cool. We're just going to have you in the back and you just can't play no more. And when you look back, because like when you came to the league, how old were you? Uh, 20 years old, 21. 20 years old. twenty. Yeah. So when you look back at that time, like, you know, because when you you were like a splash, especially in New York. I mean, New York, we loved you. Oh, everywhere you were, you're always going to get love. Nah, like the, the little Knicks, dudes always. The Knicks was a whole different thing, man, because as a kid, I always dreamed of playing in New York City because watching movies, I'm a movie guy, you know. So watching movies, that's all you saw was New York City, New York City. So as a kid, I'm like, man, like that's got to be like the coolest place on earth to be. So I remember, I remember, I remember this prayer, man. I was like, I, when I was coming up in the draft, and I was like, uh, when I played, I said, man, it would be just a dream to play for the Knicks, man, and like to be in New York. And I said that to myself, and I prayed to God. I was like, man, that would be so dope, like you know, amen, type, you know. And it happened, and I was like, yo, like that's crazy. Like I got drafted by Phoenix, traded to the Knicks, and out in New York City, you know, with a teammate of mine that I played high school with, Jamal Crawford. Uh, it was just like, it was just a perfect, a perfect script, like. For a movie, it was just perfect. And for the fans, you know, like, and again, it's like now basketball players in particular, football to any professional athletes, all of us really, but NBA players are in a 24-7 reality show. Every comment you make, yeah, pregame, like right. postgame, uh, uh, you know, fucking tweet, Instagram tweet, posts, whatever. What it you is. say on the court, like, yeah. I mean, the, the art of shit talking is gone in the NBA. Like, it, it's changed so much even since when you came to the league with the social media of it all. But, like, for the Nick, like, as a Knicks fan, like, we love Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson's out there busting people's ass, blocking shots, dunking. And, and like, who was the first coach? Was it Dan Antoni? No, nah, my first coach was uh, Larry Brown, then it was Isaiah Thomas, then it was Dan Antoni. 
as a Knicks fan, when you just said that, like that was a fucked up time as a Knicks fan. It was. It was tough, but for me, like you said, even during those tough times, I still I, I enjoyed that. Like I enjoyed the struggle by dealing with that them, them losses and like man, I, I can help with that. By letting us play more, letting the young guys play more, like myself, like I feel like I could have been a, a difference maker with with the younger group coming in if they would have just worked with us and stuck by us and understand that we're gonna get better with time. It's just about patience, and it could have been a perfect team. You gotta imagine they drafted, they drafted me, Channing Fry. They had Wilson Chandler, who's still in the NBA balling. David Lee, that had a great career, NBA champion. Like, how do you? Like, how do you let that go? Danilo Gallinari, like, we had the squad that you, to build a solid team. With, and Zach. With, look, and Zach, right, with, with role players, though. Like, I consider us being good, but we were good, great role players. Right. That we can blossom into superstars one day. Who knows? What's wrong with the Knicks? Let me just put it that way. Like, the Knicks organization, why can't we, like, every, you know what's sad? Like, uh, the other day. They, they traded this one. They traded that one. Everybody traded LeBron's coming to L.A. This one's in Oklahoma City, Houston. And Knicks, obviously, Porzingis being hurt is bad. But it's like, no one's mentioning New York. It's just New York City. What happened to New York being like the place where people, like, it's like off the, people rather go to OKC. Obviously, Russell Westbrook is enticing. I mean, you got, like, they just have to get the type of caliber player that is a, like a New Yorker. It's like the people. It's like how you guys rock. Y'all need people like yourselves. That's what the Knicks need. And a star, too. Like, and like, Cantor's but, not going to do it. But I'm just saying, in general, you guys need somebody that fits your city's persona of what New York City is. You know, ragged, rugged, people, you know, not, you know, not taking shit from nobody. Everything's moving fast, but it's like controlled chaos type. You know what I'm saying? We, we like the best. We want the best. We want it now. Like, y'all need one of those type of players. And then around him, you need, you need good, solid people to keep him strong. That person... Just like that, a player just like that. What do you think of the Isaiah Thomas trade? Like Isaiah, obviously. I mean, I love it. I mean, for me speaking, like if I'm Isaiah, I would love that to be able to go somewhere. Like you said, I want to be somewhere where I'm wanted. Like that's all we want, as in being a player. So, like how Isaiah is going through the same kind of the similar things that I went through, going from different team and teams trading you when you don't want to leave. Like I never wanted to leave New York City. I, that was like the ultimate. My dad was like, it was one of the best organizations ever. Like most historic team in the history of basketball. Like it's it's you guys, it's the Lakers, and it's the and it's the Celtics, and you gotta say Detroit. But just all those, right. just, just all that basketball in one. Like that's that's what New York is, man. Yeah. And who who want to leave? I don't get why anybody would want to leave. No right. matter win, lose. Like New York has got to be the place to be. It's like it's the one of the best places on earth. Absolutely. So, so with Isaiah, I mean, last year he was the bell of the fucking ball, right? He's you know should be MVP, you know considered MVP, considered, finished he, fourth, I think. He he you know obviously went through the terrible situation with his sister. He balled out all season, right? You know the trade with Kyrie. We know what happened. He he's dealing with the hip injury. What is your take on how? It went so bad so quick in Cleveland because no one thought it. I thought it was like, yo, this is this is going to be, once he gets healthy, this Man, is going to be. I just believe that it was out of Isaiah's control. That was all going to happen regardless. Really? Yeah, I believe that. Like, it happened exactly how Give me something. It What's your insight no, I'm to just it? Saying, you just... know these fucking guys. What the fuck happened? I mean, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> honestly, is, honestly, he's, honestly, like. He's like MVP last man, year. Man, MVP last year, but like some, like, like uh, I think. Jay, Are they discriminating think, short guys? No, I think, I think, uh, I think KG said it best on his show, man, on, the area, on Area 21, man. He said, uh, you know, everybody wants the super teams and da-da-da, but you don't know how personalities mesh. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like right. it's like mix, mixing water and oil. Like it's, it's just essentially not, like getting married, it's just right? Not, I mean, you can say that. It's, so you're jumping it's, into a relationship, and you have to be all in to be able to, you know, what I'm saying. And it's like when you want to be a, the player that you are, and that team doesn't need you to do that. That's tough on you, who right. you are. Like, like, damn. Like, I just want to be me. I don't want to be. I need you to just do this. I don't. I don't want to be that player. I that, that's show, hard to deal with. That's right? hard to deal with as an athlete, as a as a as a player, and what you put into the game. Because it's taken away from your natural instincts. Facts, and it's making you now. It's making you be something that you're naturally just going to react off. Now you got a question like, all right, am I doing the right thing for the team, or am I doing like that's messing with your game? Now you're not being the person and the player that you need to be to help this team really win. Mm. And they think you need to do less to help us win. Less is more. So, so they did what they did while I traded him to a great place. If they Lakers let him do that, uh, let him be Isaiah Thomas, let Lonzo Ball be who he is and pass the ball, whatever he's going to do, but just let Zeke be Zeke, and you guys will get magic. But if you don't, then you're going to still get the player that they're trying to say he was when he's still averaging, what, 17 with a messed up hip? What is your prediction on, on based on everything you know and you understand this league? You've been through the highs of it, the tumultuous of it, the sent this way, send. What is your take on what will happen with Isaiah in LA, knowing the Lonzo ball of it all, the fucking LeVar ball of it all, which is crazy that you even have to factor in the LeVar ball into a professional basketball team. And and knowing that there, you know, there's these rumors of Paul George wanting to come and LeBron wanting to come. Like in six months. What can I say? Well, Nate Robinson told me so. Uh, I mean, not really. So I told you so. I just, I would, and me going in it, if I'm Zeke, I'm just going to go there and play how I'm supposed to play. And then however the cards lay after that to figure out a deal, if something happened, if not, then, you know, thank you for your opportunity, you know, for the opportunity to play on to the next. And if nobody wants me, then we have to start figuring out the next move. Because at that point, all these rumors don't mean nothing. The Knicks did that when they thought LeBron was going to leave the first time when he was in Cleveland and he went to Miami. They traded the whole Knicks team. I was in there, traded, and then they let Gallo go. They let everybody go and traded, blah, 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 trying to get you know different people. And it was just, it sucked. You know, and it didn't happen. Right. I, and I don't want that to happen, you know, especially to my guy, Isaiah. You know, he's from, he's from Washington, where I'm from. Uh, you know, went to UW and everything. So... You know, I just like I, I just want I just want them to treat him, you know, better than they like how they did me when I was in the league. Like it's sad to watch it go all, you know, history repeat itself once again. What is it about Seattle? Uh, uh, what is in the water up there? You got Isaiah Thomas, this Isaiah Thomas. You got yourself. You got Jamal Crawford, Brandon Roy, Avery Bradley, a Aaron Brooks, Jason Terry, Jason Terry, the great Brian Scalabrini. Scalabrini. How could, I was about to say why Scalabrini. did we name him last? Uh, no, 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 not even Brini. Uh, Luke, Luke Ridnour. Yeah, we, we should have started with Scalabrini. Yeah, the hood. <laughs> uh, I'm Scal, sorry. Scal's my guy. Scal, Scal, is, Scal, can, Scal can hoop. Scal is my guy. You guys look alike. He, <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> He looks like Scal. Let me tell you something, Scal. Let me tell you Mike, something. He looks like Scal. Let me tell you something. We give you a on his best fucking day. He you wishes he looked Halloween. this week. <laughs> on his best day, he wishes he woke up and looked as good as Michael Rao. I tell him to his face. I tell him to his face. On your best day, you ain't you ain't, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't even you ain't, in my ballpark. <laughs> That's hey, that's fair to say. That's so, fair to so say. what is it about? Like you know, like we obviously we talk New York, Chicago, and there's the DMV area, and then you look up and and quietly yeah, we got Dejounte Murray play for the Spurs, man. We got Zach Levine, uh, Rodney Stuckey that played, man. We got a lot of guys, man. Uh, who else? Uh, Marvin Williams, right? 
it's a it's a lot of guys, man. We just love the hoop, man. We're just hoopers, man. Together as a as a whole, like that's it's just it's it's hard to explain, man. We just love the hoop, and then like our summers competing against each other, like in the gym, is 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 crazy. Did you like? I don't know Seattle very well. Obviously, guys are from different neighborhoods. What's the proximity of the guys that you like? Like in New York, you're like we got boroughs, we got Harlem, Brooklyn. Or like, what is the proximity to like? Where uh, you got West from? Seattle, uh, CD Central District is uh, where like Brandon Roy uh, went to high school, Garfield High School, uh, South Side of Seattle, where I you know where I grew up. Uh, we call it the South End is uh, Rainier Beach area, Cleveland, uh, Renton High School, and then you got a. Uh, a little bit kind of <clears throat> in between the South End and the Central District is Franklin where Jason Terry went, Aaron Brooks. Uh, oh, and right, Aaron Brooks So it's too. Like, literally, like literally it's like it's like we're all clustered in, you know, okay. together, but it's like, you know, close but yet far. Okay. But still, like, you know, not all the great players went to one school. Like we all spread out. But you're aware schools. of each other. Like yeah, everybody. we're all aware of every, you know, of, of each. And like the, the, like the rivalry is just not with one school. So rivalry is Rainer Beach and Franklin, Rainer Beach Garfield, Rainer Beach and, you know, Cleveland or whatever. And it's just, it's a cycle of just you know, just this hoop and football and just, you know, city, city trash talk back and forth. And it's just, it's, it's pretty fun to be from a city that really everybody competes in with their, in everything they do. Yeah. I mean, it's dope. I mean, it, and it's like, it just sort of crept up and like, you're like, they got like their own all-star team. I mean, we, we don't have an all-star team, but we got, we'll put a team together up against some of the, some of the best and, and, and right now, like hold our own. My New York guy, my, we're, we're, we're suffering New York city as far. We got Kemba. Yeah, Kimbo, Easy Pass, Easy Pass. His nickname is the best nickname out of all the Rucker Park names. That's ever, a good one, Easy Pass. I mean, we got Lance. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's back. A, yeah, Lance is back to the he's shenanigans his, too. He's funny. I, he's Lance but Stevenson. He's entertainment to watch. Like if I'm going to a game, I'm like, bro, he's truly on that I'm, Rucker shit. I'm looking up like, damn, he must be. He must have. He must have 50 points of a, a triple double, and he's up there with only like eight points, no, six rebounds, and he's a, he's a you know he does he does a little bit of everything. But man. he's he thinks that the commentator from Rucker is at every game that he's playing, like he's going but, for that comment. But that's and how I fuck with like, exactly, and that's and, that, and that's the swag that he plays with. That's what I mean. A coach letting a player right. be him, right? You know what I'm saying? You got to let Lance be Lance. We need the we need the shenanigans, untying the shoes or whatever yeah, you're doing. Absolutely, all that flopping, whatever. Do all that, and he competes. Do all that, yeah, and complete plays hard. And he's a tough little yeah yeah. But as far as like you know, New York, we're suffering. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, young rookie, he's doing his thing. But whatever, we're not what we're used to be. When you first got to the NBA, I, I, I love to ask people this. You know, you dream, you put in the work. You're in college, you get drafted. What was your first like? Oh shit, I'm in the NBA moment where you were just like when I had to pay all my mama's bills. <laughs> <laughs> And my dad, my mom was like, yeah, well, yeah, we need some, uh, you know, I mean, like that's that, but that's something that I want to do to show my mom the appreciation that she's done for me because I've never asked, you know, my mom for a dime, bro. And to see her grind and work three jobs, four jobs for me and my brother and my sister, bro, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's easy. Right. You know what I'm saying? But that's when I knew when I can help my mom away where she couldn't help herself. That's when I knew I made that's it. That's dope. And what about on the court? On Just the court, like a surreal thing. first... Like I would say the first the first time I, I played against Allen Iverson, that was my like my most exciting time. Not even my first game, but when I played against AI my first my rookie year, like I couldn't sleep. I called my mom, my dad, like yo, like I went to the gym. I was at the gym all night. I was like I studied his moves every, and he still had forty seven. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had 47, but I hit the game winning shot that game again uh, against the uh, the Sixers. You know, I think I might have been at that game. So it was pretty it was pretty crazy. How what was playing against Allen Iverson when he was rocking and rolling like? How how good was Allen Iverson? I mean, he's he's he's, he's like a fucking giant compared far, to you. He's by far, he's by far. He's like Kareem to you, no, he's, he's six not. feet. You're like, are you, I think you're bullshitting about the five nine thing anyway. A fuck. You're just saying that because I say you look like Scout, so it's cool. <laughs> so it's cool. But, but but what was it like? Like if when you're a grandparent and they say, Dad, Grand Grandpa Nate, you played against Allen Iverson. What was that like? It was terrifying and yet satisfying at the same time. It's hard to explain because, like I said, as a kid. I just wanted to be exactly like this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, wore the grew the hair out, cornrows. I I made I didn't have a sleeve, but I cut a, a sock and taped that, you know, taped that shit to my arm, playing the high school game with it and You had the tape on it? Yeah, everything. Everything Iverson did, the finger things I had. I wanted it all. I, mean, I wanted to be, you know, just like Bubba Chuck, man. And uh like going against him, I was in my mind, I would just replaying the moves that he's done so i was like you know he likes a crossover so just sit like sit on the crossover just wait for him to get a shot off to contest like just play good defense like you've been here before and you've watched this man hoop over over and over again so like me going up against my idol man it was just like like i'm i know i made it i'm here like this is unbelievable like That's this dope. game is dope and then he gave me his sleeve after the game so i have that at the crib so you still have it yeah i'm never gonna i, I told my son when you get nice enough it's yours that's dope. So once he gets, you know, I'm not saying he's going to want to wear it, but I mean, who knows? Like You, you got to put that in a frame, so, man. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's not framed yet. It's just sitting by my little dunk contest trophies, man. So I just let that sit there and chill, you know, amongst some greatness. So That's awesome. Yeah. Who who were other players, uh, you know, that you, when you made it, you were like, oh, shit, I'm out here with this. Kobe, Shaq, my guy T-Mac. T-Mac was another one. Uh, Steve Francis. Uh, these are like somebody, Baron Davis. I remember, uh, so I just did a uh, a game with the debut with, for Gatorade and a Twitter. And we commented, you know, we go around commentating games, high school games. We did Shaq's son, Sharif, yesterday. He played in one against uh, uh, Crossroads versus, Win is it Windward? Yeah, yeah. Windward. So they played... Uh, in the game, and I was telling BD, I was like, bro, you remember you remember me asking you a question when I was a freshman in college? And he was like, yeah, I do, bro. I tell people this story all the time. He was like, you know, this kid came up to me and was asking me, what does it take to make it to the NBA? You know, and BD was like, man, it just take, you know, hard work, hard, you got to be, you got to be tough as nails, like tough as shit. And I was like, all right, bet, man. I said, you're going to see me soon. Like I told him, dapped him up, you know what I'm saying? And I went about, you know, went about my business, went to go, you know, back to practice. And, uh... And I, when I made it to the league and I told him, and he was like, bro, you said it. Like, I watched you tell, you know, come ask me the question and you actually made it here. You had to be a tough, crazy, you know, like son of a son of a gun. And you I was curse. like, <laughs> son, of a, son of a gun. But I was yeah. like, you know, it's pretty cool to know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he remembered me at that time. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, being a fan of BD, watching him at UCLA, and it was just awesome, you know, to be in the Pac-10 at the time we called it, uh, playing, you know, Versus all these teams that all these greats have played, man, it was like, I just need to set my mark, you know, and I think I did a pretty decent job. Absolutely. And what about Kobe? What was Kobe Bryant like competing against when he was cooking in his prime? It was a, it was a treat to be on the floor with so much greatness, <laughs> like watching, knowing that he shook hands, he, you know, went against Michael Jordan and all the other greats that he played before us, like... 
Like you can like you feel that presence on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like you you right there rubbing shoulders right there in the game. Like, you know, like, you know, Kobe's out there guarding me, you know, one time when I was playing against uh, when I was with the Knicks and I had a great game versus the Lakers and I was cooking their guards and Kobe came and had to guard me and I was like like wow, like you know, it's not every day you get the ball and you checking up in a real NBA game and Kobe Bryant's guarding. So you remember that just like that yeah, blink so of a moment. I was like, yeah, it's time to bust your ass. What's up? What's happening? Like I'm like I'm with it. You know, I'm like I got to score. I got to get a bucket so I can say I got a bucket on Kobe Bryant. I end up pulling up, shooting the three, and making it. So yeah, I gave Kobe a bucket or two before. And and all like, were you a shit talker? Yeah, for sure. You so you okay? Because I I can't tell you, you. So you talk shit. I mean, I talk shit all the time. I would tell I would tell you know people that was ugly. It didn't matter what it was. Whatever to get under somebody's skin in the game, I was doing that because I'm like, if I know if I can get you mad and blah blah blah, out your game, I know I can get you're easy to get. Who were some of the other shit talkers that would engage? Because some people ignore you. Some people they yeah, don't. Some engage. people don't say nothing. Because uh, as KG, a shit talker, KG would talk a lot of shit. What is K- he? Is he talking to himself? He talks to himself a lot. But KG, well, would talk about a what little... is he saying to him? Is he lonely? No. Nah, is his inner, he inner just, child? He just he just he turns into a monster. Like you know, he just turns into a whole different person. Because off the court, he's so cool. He's a total opposite. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's so it's so crazy. So when I played against him. It was just like, wow, KG, you know, talking crazy, you know what I'm saying, blah, blah, blah. And then I get to the team with the Celtics. I get on the team with him, and he's like, yo, Nate, he's just so cool. And then on the court, you know, he's like so focused. Like everything he does, he does hard. You know, he's he's into it. He's all in. And it was just like, damn, like playing on the side of guys like K, KG, like Paul, Ron, like all these guys, Ray. I'm like, I didn't play with some of the greatest, you know, players in the league ever and it was it was it was a treat man you had big moments with that Celtics team yeah you know you guys came up short those were some you know like throwback rivalries with with the Lakers I, I blame I blame Doc for that loss Explain we should have we should have won that so with that man nobody really knows this you know I never tell people this so you're gonna hear it first here so that day uh it's game seven me, me and big baby you know Glenn Davis we helped the team win I think it was I want to say game five or game Five, I think five or six. I can't remember. I think it was six because it was in it was in Boston. We had to go to L.A. and we to to you know to win it. We had to you know win it in L.A. And before the game, you know, me and baby, we warming up. You know, we go in the locker room, sit there, chop it up. You know, we talking. And Doc calls us in in his office. He was like, "Yo, you guys, you know, come here, baby and Nate." We go and we was like, "What's up?" And he was like, "Yeah, um, I'm not gonna play y'all tonight." And I'm like, "So," I'm like. I kind of had like an outer body experience. So it's like, you know, like in the movies how they just stop talking and they go to the screen and they go, yo, this guy's crazy for not doing this. And back to the, so that's where my mind went. So I went and I'm like, man, is this guy crazy, guys? You understand? They, you know, we just helped him win and now he doesn't want to play us. And blah, blah, blah. So then I come back and I'm like, you know, I didn't say nothing. And I'm just like, wow, like, what, did we do something wrong? He was like, nah, I'm just going to go with the guys that got us here. Like, you know, Ray and these guys, this might, this might be their last go about it. If they win it, they might retire. Who knows at the time? And I left the room just like, well, there is a championship. You know what I'm saying? And then Baby literally punched the door, kicked, he was, th- he was throwing shit, breaking shit. Like, he was hot, crying tears. Like, and I felt bad, like, for, for, for him, for, for me, because we know we could have helped the team in so many ways to get our, for me, my first championship, but just to be a part of history, man. Like, how do you, how do you rob somebody from that? Like for it, that, is that unusual where a coach in the finals, it's one thing if like you're, you know, you're, you got a game in Utah and like, yo, we're going to sit you. <laughs> right. But in the finals, like, like to sort of make that beforehand, we're not playing these guys instead of letting the game come. And like, exactly. that seems like and, an unusual and, and thing. Let, and let, 
and let like nature take its whatever course. happens. Yeah, like you, right. we're gonna do whatever That's we need to do to, to win. win. And and I and once once I figured that out, I was like, yeah, I don't think it, it will ever happen again for for it, for for us to win the championship like that. No, nah, it's not gonna. Like for me, I was like, I know I'm never ever gonna get back here again. And it was it it was it sucked to know that you know all the confetti coming down. It just wasn't for us. And knowing that you know I played like 20 seconds. Like Doc put me in the game at the end of the game when he needed three point shooters out there. Like. It was over though, and like it was over. We was we 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 were down four. We lost that game by four points, and I'm like four points when I know I averaged eleven over my career. I know I could have got eleven points for you tonight. That's crazy. That's you know crazy. What I'm I can and I, I've shown to score points in bunches. I mean, I've averaged what when I was with the Bulls, I averaged like eight points or nine points in the fourth quarter alone that whole season. So right. That was it was pretty. What was the dynamic of that Celtics team? You know, with you had KG, you had Ray, you had you, you had Baby. Uh, uh, who was like the leader of that team? Is there was there a leader of that team? Yeah, the leader you had of the Paul team. Paul Pierce. It was, it was every. It was so many of them. That was that was that was a cool thing. But you know, like when one spoke, everybody listened, and when another person said something, everybody listened. So it wasn't like you know a bunch of egos in the locker room uh, uh but you know they 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 respected each other and they let each other talk and figure it out and you know you listen to them and just it was watching a whole bunch of great players know exactly of exactly all the plays every person's movements and where you're supposed to be the other team's plays like it was like being out there and you just it's like taking the test knowing all the answers to it knowing you're going to get a playing with those type of players and when you know you've been on so many different teams so many different environments or cultures as they call them can you tell right away if it's a good culture or a, a bad culture? Like, can you feel it? Uh, for the most part, you can, you know, and like you can still have good culture around and still be a losing team. So it's not like that's the thing. Like, oh, you got because you guys are winning. Because I've I've been on teams that win and it was a bad, it was a bad, it's a bad aura. I wouldn't say a bad team, but in it, it's just the energy in the building and, and on this team is just not right. You know right. what I'm saying? So that's what it would be. It wouldn't be like guys would not, it's not like liking each other or whatever, but it's like just that energy is just not like where everybody, like in like when you're in high school, when it's your boys and it's like, you know, like you go home, you go, you know, you walk your boy home, I see you tomorrow. Like, right. like that energy, like with your right. team, like it's like some teams have that and some teams don't. And you, you can't predict it either. It's just like, nah, na- it's it like comes, nature. It comes, yeah, because you imagine, like you said, teams get trades, new guys come in, new, you know, you got to adapt. You got to kind of, you know, try to feel how like the energy is going to be, how people are going to react, how they're going to judge you. Because, you know, people do that. Look at you, scan you up like you're a robot, tell you what you about, about yourself. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, it all that got to add that in the factor, you know, factors in. When you were winning the dunk contest, like that period of time, first of all, how old were you? How tall were you the first time you legitimately dunked? I was five, seven, I want to say my sophomore year of high school. And you dunked in the game. Yep, my coach threw me a, uh, drew up a play for me to out of bounds play, catch it from out of bounds, dunk, first dunk, alley oop, alley oop. And after that, I never looked back. I've been dunking ever since. I try to dunk everything. <laughs> when I was younger, I tried to dunk everything. When you were winning the dunk contest, and and like, it was so like you were so beloved and such a like, you know, like how having a little dude win dunk contest after dunk contest after dunk contest, and you win the Dwight Howard like. How crazy was that fandom and that stardom, and how how much of a ride was that? Just just that little part was, of of your career. It was fun, man. Like the, just to embrace people acknowledging me for something that you know I, they think is pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? Be able to dunk and have because 
people tell me all the time, man, I wish I can dunk. Like, man, you got hops. Like, I wish you could dunk. I hear it all the time. And I'm like, like, it must be really pretty cool to be up there doing the things that I'm doing because everybody loves the fact that I can do these things. So, like, I'm kind of like a kid all over again, just, you know, just enjoying that. It's like, it's like being a cool kid at school with all the shoes and you can make all the shots and everybody loves you. That's what it feels like. It's like, Everybody fucks with you. This is cool. What is your impression now of the dunk contest? Because in my the thing that I loved about you and Dwight is that you guys went out there to win. My my problem with the dunk contest now is this. Motherfuckers seem too cool to want to fuck up. And then they wind See, up and fucking up. And that's what and that's what it is. See, me, I wasn't too cool. When I did you my wanted dunk contest, to win. I, I wanted to win and then I wanted to do the dunk that I said, I know I do this dunk. Like I I, I remember one time I did like 15 times. Right. So with me, I can that dunk I can do, I can make once. It takes two times to do that dunk at that time. I was like, I don't understand why I'm missing it. Was it nerves? Or was it just the it day? It could have been just nerves. I just wanted to make it on the first try, knowing, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, all right, I'm going to show how, like, all right, I'm going to keep doing the time I make. I don't care if I lose. I'm going to still stick to what I'm doing, and I'm going to get to whatever points they give me because I know once I do it, that's 15 times of me trying to actually getting it on the 15 times. That like, was like one of the ones you shape. won with, yeah, right? I won that one. Yeah, I won that one. On the one that you was like, it was like we motherfuckers were taking naps. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yo, I, I think I was at that. I'm like, I fucking went to guy, got a pretzel. It was some popcorn. I went to take a piss. <laughs> all right, we're going to fucking wait. We want, we know it's going to be great, Nate. I was Jesus. dunking all through commercial break and oh, came back. Right? Came. And, oh, and he does, and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Nate Robinson. I, I got like a 48, though. Yes. So, yeah, she can take I mean, you wore us down. I was like, fuck, man, the 48. But for me, with the dunk contest now, like, I, I want to encourage these guys. Like, like, when Larry Nance beat Dr. J in the dunk contest, now, this is, you're younger than me, but watching that broke my heart. But if anybody thinks that Dr. J did not want to win, they're crazy. And I see these young kids out there, I'm like, yo, get a little fucking sweat. I think, I get think, a sheen and go out I there think, and try to win it. I think what they need to do with the dunk contest is kind of add the, from the from old school, like when I was growing up watching the dunk contest in the new school. They need to let you like like they used to let people pick music to want to dunk to. Like me, if I was able to pick a song that always got me hype, I know I can jump higher than what I will because then I'm gonna play it into my song, get that energy flow, right. get the crowd involved, and then I'm gonna throw a. I may do some shit I've never done before. Who right. knows? With that energy, throw the ball up and just react and just do whatever I feel needs to do and just try to dunk it and make it. Like some of the best dunks are sometimes are not practice or or planned. You just try something and like I did a dunk off the backboard and I just did a reverse 360 and just dunked it and I did it and I was like, yep, I'm doing that in the dunk contest. So I was like, yeah, I'm saving that. So I put that one in. Then I have a I had a plan of the dunks that I wanted to do and I just stuck by them and I was like, I'm gonna accept whatever points they give me and hopefully I make it to the finals because if I make it to the finals, I got one that's going. That's going, that's going to get everybody out their seats. Who is your dunkers now in the league now? We got Zach, your guy from yeah, Seattle. Levine, he just came Zach back. Levine, he, uh, Aaron Gordon is, is fire. Uh, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., he's showing so much bounce. Like he's, he's jumping like Steve Francis was coming in the league. Even better, though. Um, you Donovan got the, Mitchell, Donovan Utah. Mitchell, Utah Spider-Man. I love the way he plays the game. I love the way he dunks, too. Um, Gerald, they need to put Gerald Green in the dunk contest again just because. Right. Because he got real bounce. Uh, right. Ferguson from uh, 
OKC got bounced. Like you just gotta, you just gotta throw. It should be more. It's only four people in the dunk contest. Like that's not like they're just trying to hurry. Like it should be that many people. But you just give one dunk. Everybody get one dunk, and then whoever's the best dunk, you keep at it going. Over, and you keep. Yeah, it's like you know what I'm saying. So it's not you get three dunk, three no one dunk. You go, you make it. That's your points. Right. Next, next dunker. And in the warm up line, warm the fuck up and get for get, real. Like, for get real. But see, but this is what they don't do though. They don't let you warm up. See, you guys don't know behind the scenes. Uh, tell me so that. when I was in the dunk contest, I was like, all right, I'm thinking that we get to warm up. No, we got to warm up in the back. As a three, so we don't ever get to see the three-point contest because we're in the back warming up our dunks, doing, and we don't want to show what we're doing back there. So we're just out there just dunking and, you know, not trying to show what we're, like, what we're doing. I knew when I jumped over Dwight, I was like, I already know my dunk, but I'm not going to, you know, show nobody. So I, I, asked, I asked a lady to get everybody out so I can practice my dunk, you know, over Dwight. And but was, with, with Dwight or somebody else? No, it was with Dwight. So I practiced. I, I dumped over him. He was like, okay, you can do it. Because he didn't think I can do it. I said, bro, I'll show you when we do the warm-up. And I showed him. He did it. He was like, oh, yeah, you're going yeah, to win it with that. So he, like, there was, you know, shout out to Dwight for being a good sport by, you know, being a good teammate by helping me win that one, bro. I appreciate that. Mm. <laughs> one of the craziest things when you were at Nick, I think this one I was like, uh, Nate Robinson is, is the toughest motherfucker on the court. The... Knicks Denver fight. <laughs> what do you remember about that? Was one of the last really bad fights. I I, I got to tell you, I was I've always fucked with Carmelo. Syracuse won us a championship, in New York. But I was like, that was some bullshit. <laughs> that was some bullshit, yeah, he, and I fucked with stole, Carmelo. He stole, he stole he stole on my boy Marty Collins, man. Uh, and homeboy didn't see it coming. Punch. He didn't, but I. He really, he hit him, but he wasn't one of those where it's ooh, you know, because if you're gonna steal on somebody, you don't you ain't supposed to back up and run. You supposed to steal and finish him. But you, you backed him up to half you push, court. You push and finish him. Like me, like how that game happened. All right, they were kicking our ass like by like fifty points, and our coach, you know, he put on all the young guys, and he's like, uh, like they gonna keep their players in. It was like if they there's no dunks, no no more dunks. They was were, this Isaiah? Yeah, Isaiah Thomas was our coach. He was like no dunks, and he's like I don't I don't care what happens. And he was like, if something happens, a fight break out, and if nobody's fighting, he said, I'm fighting every each and every one of uh, players that's not that's not uh that's not fighting. If, you, if the fights break out, all y'all better fight the five that's on the floor. Isaiah told you guys. He that. told us that right before that, right before the fight happened. He was like, if something happens, protect yourselves, and you guys better fight. If I, if I see anybody not fighting, you're getting fined. Like, be tough because they're out here. Dunking and throwing the ball off the backboard, but they had their starting fives in. Amelo was in, Jr. All the guys, they were you know having a good time, la la la, you know kicking our ass, whatever. And uh, my boy Marty, Jr. had a fast break, and Marty went and like just you know fouled him hard. He went, re you know, I just you know retaliated kind of. I tried to break it up. They were coming to talk. They also, I was you know they're screaming back and forth. Then Melo comes and grabs me by the like try to like by the throat, try to like try to push me, and I moved his hand out the way. And then Jr. comes, he rushes me. So when he rushed me, all I did was from all I could do was just you know scoop him, scoop him into the crowd. We're in there tussling, and all that's going on. Marty gets stolen. All that happens. Me and Jr. square up on the side, about to fight. Then after that, I start. Then I see Melo after he stole him. Then I ran up, try to square up with him. He ran off back there with Nene, and you know I wasn't going down there with Nene and Kevin uh, uh, Kenya Martin. So I had to stay my ground. <laughs> so, <laughs> but like that, just that day, it was just it was just crazy. But like you said, I, I mean. Things happen, man. You know what I'm saying? But you got to be, like you said, you got to ride with your team. And I'm always going to do that. No matter when, lose, draw, right or wrong, I'm, I was that player. You know what I'm saying? I was that person. And I've always been like that for my, like, the people that I rock with. So, I, What were the ramifications of that fight? Like in terms of, you know, the fines, the, fines, the locker yeah. room. Like when, when, cause you, so obviously our fines, so shout out to Isaiah Thomas. He paid our fines, the, the players that got uh, 
that got kicked out, me and Marty, he paid all our fines and shit. We it was like a hundred and ten thousand for me. It was like a hundred and ten grand, ten games, something like that. He paid the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's that fucking was, dope. Yeah, wrote me wrote me a check, gave me my money back. So hallelujah. Thank you, Zeke. I appreciate it. I mean, that might, forget the forget the, the financial part of it. That just must have meant a but lot. But I'm just to saying you. for me, I, that's odd shit. I didn't even have a hundred thousand at that time. What you mean? <laughs> shit, that was a lot of money. Which I hundred and ten thousand. I'm sweating like damn, I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> I'm like, mama, you gotta get that money back. I, I need that. I need the. I need them checks back. That <laughs> nah, is, but nah, seriously, like that was a blessing, bro. Like you can't, you can't ask, you know, for something perfect like that to happen. But just know that he respected the fact that I'm out there, you know, risking my my life and my ass for my teammates and, right. and for what they're doing. So I had to stand up for what I believe in. And and when you guys have fights, obviously, you know, it's never anything like you know, like as the fans, we love it. But then, like for me, as I've gotten. You know, to be around the players and like the big three, and like especially like Steven Jackson and even yeah, shout Netta. out to the big three because I'm playing in the big three. This We're gonna year. get to that. Yeah, you know, and like you see, like the camaraderie that you guys have. Like when you see uh, Melo, I mean, obviously there's rivalries. Like you, you cross paths. Like how does that get swept under the bridge? Like, well, it don't really get swept. I seen Jr. Uh, one time, and you know, a couple times like, after that happened, I seen him one time when he was like with like at least 15 of his homies, and I was like, it was at this fashion thing. In New York, and it was like 15 of them. It was just me and my boy. And I told my boy, I'm like, look, if something happens, you just go get the car. I'll make sure I make it downstairs. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Just because I knew that it was still fresh. And then one time I seen him in the club one time, and it was, it was just, it was just weird, but it was just like, I don't know, I guess an unspoken agreement or whatever. But somehow something happened, and it just got, it just got squashed over, over the years because. I don't know. I just I don't know how it did, but it did. I seen Melo talked about it, and it was just it was just over with. It was just you know nothing really too much because like even in you go to like L A Fitness type, you know people fight all the time, and then they see the same people the next day, and they'd be like, all right, cool, like you know what I'm saying it's a respect factor at that point, right? Yeah. All right, Big Three. Yeah. Now I am the the sideline reporter of the Big Three. Oh wow, let's get it. Howard Cosell of the Big Three. Um, how excited are you about the Big Three? Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, these are my two things, because I was uh, Howard Cosell, so every play on the sideline, uh, watch it all. I'm going to tell you the two things. Number one, the games are short, so there is no warming up. you got to get come in the first quarter ready to go. I, you guys are conditioned from, from college to pro games, like, oh, I could get it popping in the middle of second quarter. Middle of second quarter, quarter. game's fucking over. <laughs> Nah, man. So for me, I, I just prepare myself. I'm just always ready to hoop. So you ain't got to worry about me being ready and all that. I mean, like you say, I'm I'm in shape. I work out two, three times a day. So like this big three, I, I'm going to encourage other ex-NBA players that you're not in shape. I will show you why you need to be in shape when I play against you. So just just know that. So you know you're ready just, to go. Just know that. Facts. I'm, I'm ready to go play in the NBA. So just know that that's how I'm treating this. Okay. So it's just, this is real. This is this is business and show people like, yeah, I still play and I take this serious. And it's no, there's going to be no, oh, yeah, you got to hold back because of the coaches. No, no, the coaches so let gonna be you a, go. That's going to be another treat. I get to be myself. Yes. So then you guys get to see how I can really play the game of basketball. What You're in shape. You're 33? 33, about to be 34 in May. That's crazy. Do you, in your head, are you... Done with the NBA? Would you like to play with the I NBA? I would love to play. Why would, aren't you in the NBA now? I, w- I would say just, I would say people would think I'm still the, the young Nate that I was when I first came in. I believe they they just don't want to give me the chance to to to, to change. Uh, 
I think that's I think that's the reason. Change uh, what? When you say two change, I mean change. It could be I guess my attitude. It'd be the change the way I approach anything and everything. Do exactly what they want me to do. Don't say anything at all. Don't be happy with whatever minutes they give me, whether it's one minute or whatever. When I know I can help, like they want me just to basically shut the up and just be blah blah blah. But like for me, that's it's not hard, but it's like it's difficult to be able to take something from somebody and yet this is what you get no matter what you do. Like, that's hard for me. Like, why Like why is that? So, no, okay. But now I'm like, all right, did you guys want me to do that just to be able to play? I'll do whatever it takes. I want to show you guys. I went to the D-League last year and played, humbled myself, did that, went overseas, won a championship with my teammate that's sitting right here, Lazar Hayward. So there's more basketball to be played. But like I said, I get an opportunity to play with the big three, you know, with Ice Cube and all, every all with all that good positive energy. It's so around. much it's fun. Done. Exactly. I that's mean, that's all I heard of great things about it. So why not go play? And you know, people hit me on my Instagram all the time, bro. You should be in the league. This is this is robbery. This is not fair. This is free Nate Rob. Free Nate Rob. Like, yeah, I feel that way, but that's not going. That's not make. That's not going to make them. You know, change their mind. I right. just, I just want to be able to show it. So, right. like I said, this summer I'm going to be playing in the big three. I'm going to be going to play in the Drew League. I'm gonna go hoop. When you see LeBron and the guys all them games, I'm, I'm going this this summer. So wherever James Harden, everybody's playing in UCLA, I'm gonna pull up. It's not gonna be no invitations. I'm gonna play and I'm gonna say, okay, let's get it. And if they don't, and now you say, if when you guys see and all this stuff, you and you guys will see like hooping wise and still in good shape. I just want to show them that I've changed as a person so they can stop label me being something that I'm not. I got you. That's all. So you say you're working out two, three times a day because because mm-hmm. you're a high-level athlete. Right. I'm a, I'm a no-level athlete. <laughs> you guys think this is a fucking joke here. Now, now, in all seriousness, what is your workouts now? Like, you're not playing the league now, so what would be the hardest day of your workouts now? Walk me through, like, when you wake up through the day. So when I wake up through the day, like uh, like today, I, I went to the – I went to the beach this morning and I met uh, a guy from Instagram. He does boxing. I uh, went an hour, went on the went on the bars, pull ups, natural. You know, are you on that pull up shit? Yeah, and I'm not on it, but I just I just want to be able to, you know, keep my body, you know, going in the right direction. But like, could you fuck with that pull up stuff? Because you seem like you could be on some gymnastics. I mean, shit. if I practice all that weird, how they be doing, it, I could probably do it. Okay, but I just I mean, I just do regular pull ups. So I could do a couple. Okay, you know, like ten is hard. Like people think no pull-ups, shit. No. People think pull-ups are just easy, but no, nah, they're really not. Like, pull-ups are, are hella hard. and like yeah, Pull-ups are 10, fucking hard. Yeah, they suck. But just knowing how to, you know, to be able to control my body and learn how to use my strength, you know what I'm saying, by getting it, like learning my muscles. Boxing, I've learned that, you know, doing boxing is working muscles that I've never worked when I played basketball, mm-hmm. when I played football, you know what I'm saying, when I ran track. And it just, it's helped my body so much. It's just leaned me out, chiseled me in, and I just, I don't want to, I want to be like this for the rest of my life. Like when my kids have kids, they be like, "Damn, you're who's this? Your brother? No, nah, that's my dad. That's my grandpa. That's your grandpa looking like yeah. That's how I you want to be with yeah, them old motherfuckers. Exactly. Like, like yeah, I'm right there with my. I look like my. I look better than my son. I you got understand? you. My son, 13. He look at me. You know, he sized me up, dad. You know, I'm almost getting buff. I'm almost tall as you. Yeah, okay, cool, bro. But you know, you don't got these muscle and abs like I got, bro. You don't got that yet. But you know, what I'm saying you're gonna get there one day. You know, so I'm just like my motivation is I want to I want to look better than my kids when they are grown men. I, I got look you better than them. I got you. Facts. So boxing, we yeah. do some pull ups and then what? I would do. Uh, I have a trainer, uh, uh, two two trainers, one Chris, one Robel. Uh, they they both work at you know different gyms. So I go to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I go to Chris. Tuesdays, Thursdays, I go to Robel. And doing what form. though? Like is it? So back- he'll do. It'll do. It'll be if it's leg day. It depends on what day it is. So if it's leg day. 
you know, we do not everything to do with legs. And if that's tire lifting, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing tire lifting, sled pulls, uh, lunges uh, at the end of my workout, the last 15 minutes. It's, uh, I hold kettlebells and just lunge for 15 minutes down a football field like 40 yards. And I just do that continuous for 15 minutes. Straight. Just my workout is very uh, diverse climber. I uh, fell in love with diverse climber. This thing? Yeah, that thing. That's It works full body. Full body you know, doing the versa climbers, okay. go a couple thousand uh, feet or whatever, and it's a couple it's, of thousand for you is a, like twenty five for me. Yeah. You fuck a couple of it's thousand. A, it's, 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 go it, a couple it's, of thousand. It's, fuck it's, have it's a guy, I'll be on the floor. It's pretty. It's pretty fun though, man. Like learning your body and wanting to get better, and you know, staying young because I, I want to be ready. You know, so if I get that call, people are like, damn, like he didn't miss a beat, and why? Because I put in the work. You I know got what you saying? right. Um, football. Mm-hmm. You love football. Yeah. The Legion of Boom is in big trouble. I just want to get you. They First of all, you played football. Gave me, they should have gave me that opportunity. I came and tried out for the Seahawks. Now, was that real or was that like just like bullshitting around? No, nah, that's that's real. Okay. To, uh, so shout out to the AFFL. This is an American flag football league that's about to pop off. Uh, Doesn't Michael Vick have something to do with that? Yes. Uh, I'm playing a verse Michael Vick, guys. I got a oh, team. Well, you play with Matt Barnes, right? Yep. Me, Matt Barnes. My, me, Matt Barnes. Carlos Boozer has the team in uh, in this AFFL football uh, league that's, you know, it's going to be in July. And, you know, I'm captain. Me and Boozer's captain, co-captain. And uh, You guys are to, all NFL We team? get to pick our players and get to play against the greats. So look out. So it's coming. It's coming soon. I'm about to start training for it uh, coming up, man. After all these, all you these. You just said you were stuff. fucking training. I am, but I'm training for football. You mean like, just you know, specifically back pedals fo- and step. You know, get back to my to my you know to my aura. So, so you played football in college. Mm-hmm. How- I got a football scholarship to go to University of Washington. Not a basketball scholarship. Not a basketball scholarship. So I so quick story. I got Mr. Football in the state of Washington in uh and 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 state player of the year in basketball, and I got the hurdles record. I ran the hurdles in high school, so I got the record in, in Washington in the hurdles. But I got a football scholarship, and then I walked on and played basketball. And what position did you play in college mostly? Football, I played cornerback. Corner. Right, and running back in high school. So, in, in all honesty, if you had never played basketball and you had just solely focused on football, would you have been a cornerback? What position? I would have played running back probably, offense then, if I would have just solely played. In the NFL? If well, college probably ought to have been play, play both ways. I'd play offense and defense. I, if if I could have it the way I would want, only play football, I would want to play offense and defense because I was that damn good. And and the, like that good, like before Reggie Bush was Reggie Bush, it was Nate Robinson doing what Reggie Bush was doing. And USC gave me, they wanted me to come to, you know, they gave me a scholarship to come to USC, but I chose Washington. So you were like heavily recruited. Yeah. High school, yeah, I could have football went anywhere, probably almost almost anywhere. Only the one school that didn't give me the scholarship that I wanted was Florida State, and because of Deion Sanders, Peter Warwick, a lot of guys that I love watching play for that school that I wanted to go to. But Coach B was not recruiting all the way in the Pacific Northwest, so I had to settle for Washington. But that's not a pretty good school though. And when you tried out for the Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. that wasn't a publicity stunt. No. I don't, what, I, don't, what, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to do publicity stuff. So this, I was like, I, I was really walking in like, what's up? Like, can I get a job? Like, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm put, damn good. I'm going to put it on this podcast. I said, when you were doing that, my prediction, I actually was talking about, I was like, Nate's going to make the fucking team. I said, if there's an NFL, an NBA player who could play NFL, it's Nate Robinson because he's probably fucking nuts because he's 5'9 and won three dunk contests. <laughs> and I'm going to pull the fucking quote and date it and show you. All right, cool. That's what's up, man. I, I, I appreciate the love, bro. I was, I was like, if this anybody could do it, fucking Nate Robinson could fucking do it. 
Yeah, it, it would have been fun, man. That'd have been that'd have been a pretty fun thing to be able to be the first person to play professional basketball and professional football, like really play it. So, do you think it was just like sort of politics? Like, yo, he's a basketball that, player. I just think that they wouldn't they they wasn't gonna look at me as in just coming in openly being just Nate Robinson. I got you. Not Nate Robinson, the basketball player. It's too much preconceived notion. Like, oh, yeah, notion. There's no way we can't have a we can't have a basketball player come to our league and kill the league like that. They shut that shit down. I got you. They shut that shit down quick. What did you think of uh uh? You're a Seattle Seahawks fan. Mm-hmm. Or what did you think of uh the Super Bowl? And what do you think of these fans? Cleveland Cavaliers had a fan who ate horse shit. Philadelphia I know, I Eagles. You, I seen you on that. Is that I mean, Nobody's that to me is that's shocking. Weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's, the Philadelphia weird. Eagles, you win the Super Bowl and you want to eat horse shit to celebrate? What about get fucking drunk? Go find a girl. Do some, <laughs> Eat horse shit? Like, I don't understand how that becomes a, a thing. We know. win. I don't know. It's just, I'm going to eat horse shit. Nah, see, nah, that's that's just, that's a little bit much. Man. Too, that's much. too much. That's too much. Yeah, As a player, I, I mean, like I you can't. That's just, that's just like, and then he high fives somebody like they thought it was cool. This shit's, I seen it. I seen it. Shit's clip. not dope. That's yeah, not, not dope. It's not dope. At and all. the friends co-signing it like, yo, you ate horse shit, yo. Yeah, and like you know, like you like when you go back, like you look back and be like, yo, remember when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Be like, yeah. So would that make him a shitty eater? <laughs> <laughs> would that make him a shitty Sh- eater? One of the shittiest. <laughs> one of the shittiest. <laughs> Hey, well, does that make you a shitty eater if you eat shit? You're a shitty eater. What are, you said you love movies. Mm-hmm. What would be Nate Robinson's top five favorite movies? Top five favorite movies right now. It's interchangeable, so you're not married to any of them. Okay, uh, I like Life off top. Mm-hmm. Facts, one of my favorites, uh, Harlem Nights. Mm-hmm. Of course, you're gonna see a lot of comedy movies come out of me, but I love the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Uh, it, it, it's just man. I mean, how uh, how high half baked? I okay. mean, I like I like you know, um, the Fridays of course okay. with you in it. Okay. Uh, I mean, I just love all movies, man. Okay. I don't have a, a favorite favorite. I just love all watching. Okay. All no, movies. no, no. I'm just trying to get a sense of your five. Yeah. You said how high? Yeah. You said Fridays. Major pain. I can keep going. So many marijuana in the NBA. Is this something that will ever be allowed? Based on what you know. How much weed is being smoked in the NBA? Let me just put it like that. Based on what you know, without naming anything specific, because I know it's a fraternity. I get all that. You can't throw anybody. I'm just saying, what is your take on marijuana in the NBA? Because there's a lot of guys saying that you believe it. My take about it is just like, I don't understand how they allow, and I'm going to say this because I don't drink alcohol. You know what I'm saying? That's something I don't do. But it's... How do you allow people to drink and that's just, you're just poisoning your body. You're mm. poisoning your body. You're poisoning your body. They say it takes X amount of days to get back from drinking the night before and people, you know, blah, blah, blah. People have a good time today, go play. And it's like, you guys are okay with that, but yet you guys are not okay with us, you know, you know, having a having a blunt. One, one, like, you know what I'm saying? You guys are mad about that, but you guys allow the drinking and constantly over and over, guys getting DUIs and da 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 Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't understand it. I don't understand, like, what is the reason that they're keeping that away? Or, right. You know what I'm saying? So they, that's what I would want them to answer to me first before I say anything about people doing anything. Why, why won't you guys allow the players to be able to smoke if you guys are allowing them to drink their life away? Got you. And do, you know, silly stuff like that. So it's a question for them to ask them, why not? All right. What can I say? Nate Robinson. Wait, the Waffle House in Seattle. You came and ate at my restaurant. Shout Tore out to Nate, Nate, Nate Wings and Waffles, man. Uh, 
It's just, you know, I've always wanted to have a, like something type Roscoe's because people always say, I've never been to Roscoe's in Washington. Uh, so I just want to bring something new and something different, uh, you know, to, I would say, Washington and to, to people in the Pacific Northwest. Because people drive down from Portland, come in, you know, fans come in. I, it's real in there. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Nice little spot. And what other stuff in business are you are you uh, involved in yourself? Uh, I'm involved in, uh, I just I just dropped the Black History Month socks that you're going to be getting in a couple of days. Yes. Sent to you. So uh, with Stride Line socks, uh, the most comfortable socks in the world, man. It's pretty cool. You know, they gave me my own line and be able to come out with some cool stuff. Cause me, I love to wear cool, you know, cool socks, you know, underneath my, you know, my, the shoe, the, the, the Jordans that I'm wearing, you know, or something like that. It's, it's, just, it's a little different, man. Like I like, you know, socks with capes on them. It, you know, every little thing that I, when I was a kid, I used to, you know, do that. I used to wear Mickey Mouse socks and Tigger and Winnie the Pooh, all kind of crazy, you know, socks when I was a kid playing football and stuff. They used to always be like, damn, that's pretty cool that you do that. So, I always wanted to, you know, be involved in doing something like, you know, with socks and stride line gave me my first opportunity. That's man. So dope. It's pretty dope. Are you are you a sneakerhead? Of course. Okay. So what what like are you 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 collect them? Like what's I your, collect what? sneakers. I, I love uh you know, sending my sneakers to designers and they make, you know, make my own. It's not, you know, all not not every day you get you get to be able to have a a shoe that nobody has. You know what I'm saying? So I love the fact that, you know, people are being more uh, creative, as in creating different sneakers for the sneakerheads like myself. The, the verd, like where you flip the version of the of the sneaker. Of the sneaker. So it's like these. I will send these in, and I will have them. It could be put tennis ball print or cheetah print, whatever I want. The laces be something they can do whatever you want on your sneakers, and it's a one of one. And I have my own. I have a couple pair that I have. Uh, I have some some uh, some Smurf Elevens like these, all white with. Papa Smurf and all the Smurfs because it's one of my favorite cartoons growing up as a kid. What are your top three uh, uh, favorite sneakers of all time? All time. Not your Jordan. Any, any Jordan. I'm going to say any Jordan. Any Jordan that anybody can think of. Uh, I love the uh, Air Max 95s, old school Air Max 95s. I'm a retro guy, bro. Like All the new stuff is cool, man, but all the retro stuff, people are still trying to, just trying to duplicate. They're trying to recreate you know, the 80s and 90s. And it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you still can't you still can't mess with the 80s and 90s, man. It's just something that can't be tampered with. I agree. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Um, final question is this. All right. Who, based on everything we know, barring injury, we want everybody to be uh, uh, healthy throughout the whole season. Where we are in the season, midway point, who's winning the NBA championship? Wow, man. I mean, I see the Warriors in there for sure out the West, man. Unless Houston can really, and OKC, can really put something together and find a way to knock each other out or something. But out of those three teams, I'm, I'm going to still stick by the Warriors, man, because they're still the numbers don't lie, man. And they can score at a rapid rate whenever they want. And that's hard to guard. You know what I'm saying? So the only way to beat them is you got to outscore them. So at some point, if Houston can continue to do that like they did this year, then they have a chance. But out of the East, I'm I'm loving Boston. I love Boston, what Kyrie is doing with that team. They have a they have the best NBA team. And when I say by team, people, listen to what I'm saying by best NBA team to the point guard, to the shooting guard. They're great role players, great coach, great uh, atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? Like they're a great team. They're just dangerous to, you know, to on paper, they're dangerous on TV, they're dangerous in real life. So I would say out of the East, I would I would like I would like to see Boston out of the East. When you were with Golden State that year, Dub Nation. What what is your takeaway from that team? Because that was like sort of like, you know, Mark Jackson was the coach, and and they got you know so far, and then obviously we all know his you know history. Uh, Steve Kerr came in, and then like Steph and those guys took it to their next level. Did you ever imagine that that team would sort of become 
what it's become in terms of historically these Golden State Warriors teams. And that season you were there I was, was sort of I like was the jump for, off. I was I was there right before they they started to uh, take off uh, during the lockout year, and it was it was fun because at that time I got to play a little bit more. Uh, you know, Steph was in and out from you know twisting ankle every now and again. Uh, Monte Ellis was there at the time. They end up trading them and everything. So I was in that little era where they were just now cleaning house and getting to where they're at now. Like they they got. Uh, I always thought they were a couple pieces away, a couple you know, a couple pieces to the puzzle away. Like they went out and got Iguodala was great, you know what I'm saying? They got some other great role players around them, and they just, and then you got Clay just playing lights out, and you know they get Draymond Green, and it just and it just add more pieces, you know. And now they have the blueprint of you know what it takes to be you know a great team in the NBA, and and they're rolling with it, and it's fun to watch. When Steph was suffering from those ankle injuries, and obviously you saw the talent, did you ever imagine that he would sort of break through the way he broke through? Uh, it was just a matter of time, just watching him at practice, guarding him at practice, uh, watching him and Clay shoot jumpers, like, you know, competing. It was uh, it was one of the coolest things to watch. Speak on that. So what, I'm, what I mean by that, guys, is like you have two of the best players, two of the best shooters you've ever seen in the gym. What do you think is going to happen? Man, my jumper's way better than yours. <laughs> well, let's see. You know, it's like an old school Clint Eastwood, you know, draws. Like, who's the, who has the best shot? You know, so... Uh, it, it it was just unbelievable. Like even being down to rebounding after shot after shot, they would go like 20, 30 without missing in a row. This is, I'm like, this is crazy. And they stepping back even further, back and forth, uh, shot after shot, shot after shot. And they're just making shots. Uh, now they're going backboard, backboard shots. And just some shots not hitting the net. It don't count. They're hitting all net. I'm like, damn, like this is, like, this is crazy. They do that every day. So just imagine in the game, repetition, that shot becomes easy. You see where Curry's shooting from right now. He don't even see nobody. He pulling up three. Clay, Clay shoots the probably the he has he has a probably the fastest jump shot in the NBA, and to be that efficient and to have that much accuracy with your shot is it's unbelievable, man. All right, Nate. Yo, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you rocking. Oh, with bro. Me. Hey, listen, man. I told you. I said, bro, I got to be on the podcast, bro. It's like I said, for me, it's a fan night every day. You know, you get to go to Big Mike's house. Man. Come this on, man. You, like, nah, dead ass. You making man. me blush and shit. I've been, I've been to you a lot of cribs, bro. Like this Scalabrini is a beautiful, it's a beautiful home. You do look like Scal, though, bro. Yo, nigga, I own that. <laughs> I appreciate you, bro. it. Appreciate this is you, so dope. Thank yep. you. What can I say? Nate Robinson, I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I appreciate you rocking with me. He's getting ready to start his own podcast, him and Carlos Boozer. Uh. Um, which I'm sure is going to be a great combination. I love Nate, love Carlos. Nate, thanks for rocking with me on the Iron Rap Poor Serial Podcast. I'll see you this summer yes. with the big three. I call it as I see it. Just because I was I had the privilege of having you on the Iron Rap Poor Serial Podcast, I call it as I see it. Yeah. We're done. Okay? We're done. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. Michael Rappaport. The Gringo Man Dingo, the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. I told you at the top, have no fear. The I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. Moody. Yo. Miles, Jordan, let's get out of here with something real funky, something something nice for the people. Let it play a little bit for the people. Yes, indeed. They always want, they always want that good funk, that good soul when we end the show. Give them something nice and, and let it play out for a minute. Yeah, let We're that, out. Let that flow. <laughs>